Well, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Cornerstone. We're so glad you're here with us this morning. Did y'all enjoy worship this morning? It was incredible. Thank you so much to our team. Come on, let's give our team a round of applause just for how good they do every single week. My name is Patrick. In case we haven't got a chance to meet, I'm the student pastor here at Cornerstone. And uh, just talking about the worship team, that, that beautiful Mexican girl that was standing like right around this area, she's mine. Um, that's my wife, Raquel, and I love you. Uh, she, she killed it this morning, y'all, and so did the rest of the team. And uh, I just you got to slide in those brownie points whenever you can get them, fellas. Just take notes on that. But I'm so excited to be with you this morning. It's really an honor to, to be here and to be with you. Um, and uh, it's an honor to, to be on this platform. I know that we have um, some of the greatest pastors in the world. Can we make some noise for our pastors, Pastor Sean and Lisa Apking? Amazing, beautiful people. Uh, they're traveling this week, and so they're having a great time. They're actually in Orlando um, having fun there in the sun. Uh, but we got some sun today, amen? The, uh, there's no salt on the ground today. We got some rain, cleared it away, washed it up, getting, getting back to uh, some, some decent weather, hopefully, and uh, it'll stay that way. Um, with our student ministry, we've had to cancel. Uh, uh, last week was the first week we had two Wednesdays in a row in 2019. And so uh, it's been crazy, the weather. I know that you hate it as much as me, um, but thank God for sunshine and beautiful weather this morning. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's a good day to be in the house of God, much better than when it's cloudy and dreary and nasty and wet outside, amen? But uh, this morning, we are going to jump into uh, a, sin, uh, a series that we've been continuing on uh, in the book of Romans. And uh, it, it's, it's an amazing book. If you haven't had a chance to dive into it, I encourage you to get into it. Go back and listen to uh, the rest of the series. Pastor Sean has been doing a phenomenal job at just breaking it down and really helping us get to the heart of what God was communicating through this book. And, and it, it's really beautiful. It's, it's an awesome letter that the Apostle Paul was writing to. To, uh, to Christians in, in, uh, in Rome. And Paul hadn't got a chance to make it to Rome yet, and so he was wanting to send a message there to encourage the believers. And so that, that's, that's the book that we've been walking through. Today, I'm going to be going through uh, chapter 12, Romans chapter 12. And so if you have a Bible with you, you can go ahead and open up to there. And we're going to go through uh, the, first, the first eight verses this morning. And uh, it's been funny because as a staff, we've actually been kind of fighting a little bit over who gets to do Romans 12. And uh, uh, Pastor Sean wanted to do it, Pastor Lisa wanted to do it, and uh, Kevin even wanted to do it. And so I, I was, I was uh, happy when Pastor Sean said, hey, I'm going to be out of town, I need you to preach. I was like, I got it, I got it. I wasn't even fighting for it, just look at God. He just brings in those who are humble and, uh, <clears throat> and uh, have self-control. And, and so I, just, I, I got blessed with this chapter. But honestly, I, I was a little bit quiet, not because I'm so humble, but because I was a little bit intimidated and the, the millennial was coming out of me. Uh, you know, that, that hipster side where, where uh, you don't want to do the popular thing. You know, you want to get like the, the, the like we had a, a verse in our, our youth message last week from, from Amos. You know, like, like the book that nobody ever opens in a Habakkuk or a Leviticus or something like that. You know, like I just want to bring in something fresh and new that you've never heard before. But I got Romans 12. And I feel like Romans 12 is one of those, uh, I like to call it chop and tweet. You know, like you just find that little tiny bit of the Bible that just sounds so good. And so while you're at the coffee shop and you've got your latte and your Bible open, you've got your highlighter out and you just snap a 
quick little pick and, you know, hashtag Devo. And, um, you know, it, that, that's the real humble brag, you know, when you just let everybody know you've been studying the word, you know. And I feel like this is the book. This is the chapter that everybody turns to, Romans 12. And so um, I, I am excited, though, to, to be in it today. And, and I'm excited to, to hopefully bring it to life for us because I think that sometimes our frequency with a certain scripture, uh, it can kind of numb us to its impact on our life. We hear it over and over and over again, um, you know, the, the, through Christ I can do all things who strength. You know, like the, the, those, those, those just words, those little nuggets that everybody knows, but do we really believe it? Have we really let it set into our heart? And so I hope this morning that we can get deeper into this. And so uh, I want to pray and then we'll jump right in by, by reading, okay? So let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful to be in your house this morning. And God, we thank you for, uh, for bringing us here, for getting us through uh, last week and bringing us to a place where we can enter into your presence. God, we can give you thanks. We can encounter your love and your grace and your forgiveness, and we can be with your people. I pray, God, that this morning you would bless our time together in your word, that you would give us revelation of who you are and what you want to do in and through our life, God. We thank you for the sunshine. We thank you there's no salt or snow or ice on the ground. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. 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 So let's, let's jump in and read Romans 12, verse 1. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice to let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. And this is truly the way to worship him. Verse two, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Amen. Don't you want good, pleasing, and perfect in your life? Good, pleasing, and perfect. And, and I love that ending, but we like to jump to ending sometimes, don't we? Especially when we've read the scripture, especially when we know the story. You know, we like to talk about David slinging the stone, but we, we don't really want to go through the actual moment of facing the giant or, or the bear or the lion that he faced even before that. And so we would like to jump to the good and pleasing and perfect, but there's so much more that God has for us. And, and what I really believe Paul is writing about in chapter 12 is I believe that he's, he's explaining an example of worship. I think that, that Paul is giving us a, a look into what worship looks like. And I think that often we kind of categorize worship as what the moments that we just had, right? And it's so powerful and so beautiful. It's, it's amazing. And, and, and I'm a church guy. I was uh, kind of born on the front row at church. I, I grew up and uh, went to every Sunday school class and drove all my Sunday school teachers crazy because I was in it for the candy, not for the Bible. And uh, I, I would go in, in every single service. I'd be at every single youth event. I'd be at every young adult thing. Uh, growing up, I just, I've been in church. I love these moments of worship that we have together. They're amazing. They're beautiful. And that is definitely worship. There's no doubt about it. But the problem with worship stopping there is that the vast majority of our lives is not spent here, is it? It's not spent with a band playing in front of you. It's not spent within these four walls. It's not spent with our eyes closed and our hands raised and us crying and, and, you know, that moment with God. That's typically not it, right? For us, it's a Monday and it's hard to get up when the alarm clock goes off. We drag our feet into the bathroom and hopefully you brush your teeth. 
students. And we, we have the, this, this typical routine that we go through. Most of our life doesn't look like this. It looks like this, scrolling, 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 or, or let me see what's going on on Facebook. Let me turn on the TV, or, or let me work really hard. Let me get to the gym. Let me take the kids to practice, and, and let me do my homework. I'm going back and forth, and there's so much. You know, m- most of our life, it's not even spent in our prayer closets. It's not mostly spent in the Word. It's not mostly spent in prayer. And so there's a, there's a disconnect there. There's a disconnect. When, when we preach and teach in God's house that we were created for worship, so how can it be that we're created for worship, but we don't spend most of our life in atmospheres of worship? There, there, there's something that's breaking down, that's not clicking. And I believe this is exactly what Paul is addressing in Romans chapter 12. I believe that he's addressing and teaching worship that goes beyond a church service. Worship that goes beyond a song. Worship that goes beyond uh, uh, some lyrics and, and music and instruments. And so that's what I want to break down today. That's what I want to get into. And so if you're taking notes this morning, you can write this first point down. And it is that worship is a call to holiness. Worship is a call to holiness. And part of verse one, it says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. And if you got a highlighter or a pen, you can underline this. It says, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Let your lives, your body, let your life be a living and holy sacrifice. That sounds good, doesn't it? Let it be a living and holy sacrifice. If you're a preacher, like you just want to like get out a hanky and start waving it and getting ready and spitting on people, it's getting crazy, right? Because we're talking about holiness. But what I've learned, I've been in youth ministry, a youth leader, a youth pastor for almost 10 years now. And what I've learned is that and, and it seems like, okay, that's, that's a youth thing, that's a student thing, but I promise you, it's a Christian thing. It is, it is you and me dealing with this issue. Is that sometimes in the Bible and in God's word, we like to, to adopt words and phrases and terminology without really putting it into practice. We like to grab a hold of something because it sounds good, because we, it's been preached to us, but we don't have a full understanding of what it really means. And so I remember as, as a student, I remember as a young Christian trying to figure out what, what is holiness? What does holy mean? And really what it is, it's a definition of who God is. Holiness really is a definition of who our Father, our Creator is. And it, it just simply means to be set apart. It means to be, to be different. It means to be unblemished, to be pure, to be without mixture. You know, if, uh, if, if you uh, are ever baking something or even cooking just in general, typically you start out with individual ingredient, ingredients. And then slowly you begin to bring them together to create whatever dish or hopefully dessert you are making. And, uh, and as, as you begin to mix them all together, they become something different than they were when they stood alone right? And often this is our life. It becomes a mixture of all of our life experiences. That's what people often believe about us as humans is that, that we are the collection of all of life's experiences, of everything that we've encountered, all the hurts, all the pain, all the frustration, all the wins and victories of our childhood and our, and, and our teenage years and our 20s and midlife and into our elder years. We, we, we are a collection of everything we're experiencing, everything that's happening in our life. But what God is calling us to is to not allow those mixtures 
to become who we are. God himself is not a mixture. He's set apart. He's holy. He's different. And I'm so thankful that he is because it is because of that holiness. It's because of that purity. It's because of that, that spotless, blameless Savior, Jesus, that we can stand today and we can worship him freely and we can expect heaven at the end of our life and we can expect eternity with him because of how good he is, not because of the mixture in our life. But yet Paul is calling us to be a living sacrifice that is holy. That's holy. And that's because I believe that it's a part of our worship to live a life that is holy. And so here's the the next question is, how do we be holy? How do we become holy? Verse two says, it's by transforming the way I think. It's by transforming the way that I think. The reason why is because your thoughts are so powerful. The way that you think about your life, this world, the people that you are in relationship with and surround you and the things that are going on, it determines who you are becoming. That's why the Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. Because as we allow thoughts to rattle around up here, they inevitably come out here or in our action. And if I flipped a switch, a magic switch that just allowed us to hear everybody's thoughts right now, I would probably get off the stage. And if I played back a recording of some of the craziest things you've ever thought, you'd be like, nah, that wasn't me. No, 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 that, that, that definitely wasn't me. I would never think something like that. But the truth is, we all get a little crazy up here sometimes. And the thoughts that, that we allow to progress often have no business leading us. But we allow them to continue and they create cycles and patterns in our life that inevitably become who we are. Paul is trying to get us to understand God is calling you to be holy, but you will never enter into the holiness that God has for you, that Jesus paid for for you, if you can't first wrap your mind around what Jesus did for you and who he's calling you to be. We have to switch what we meditate on you're like meditation i don't do that i don't do yoga what are you talking about bro like i'm not into that stuff no no no. meditation is not just some new age philosophy meditation is what are you continually allowing to cycle through your thought life what are you focusing on when you're at work and you're making those calls when you're in the car and you're waiting when you're in the, the the doctor's office and you're stuck there what are you allowing to come through your feed What are you allowing to enter into your body that's supposed to be a sacrifice to God? See, we get this this word sacrifice. It kind of gets lost on us sometimes because we don't really have to sacrifice too much anymore. At least not the way that they did in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they would take the best of the best of the best of a herd or of a crop and they would give it to God. That means Whatever, whatever was the best is what they wanted to give to God. And often we, we come in, we say, I'm just going to worship. I'm just going to worship. But on the car right over here, we were listening to something about politics and they were cussing and they were yelling and they were talking about all kinds of crazy stuff. And we got our heart rate up and we got angry and we got flush in the face. 
And we're like, I'm unfriending them. I'm never talking to them again. If they're going to talk like that and they're going to say things like that, they're going to believe that. I can't, I can't be around. And we start getting so angry. It's, what's going on in your mind? And it's a beautiful thing, but it's also an issue that the human mind can quickly switch gears. That we can, we can think those things, we can deal with those things, and then come into a place like this and just a smile. Good morning, brother. How are you? My week was so blessed. And we put on, we put on that face, right? No, no, no. Paul is saying, hey, we, we have to begin to address what's going on up here. We have to begin to address holiness in our life. We have to begin to transform, transform our thinking. But it's easier said than done. There's so many inputs in our life. There's so many things that are coming in, right? From social media and television and the internet and conversation and phone calls and text messages and billboards and, and advertisements over and over and over and over. And we're getting so much. So how do we transform our thinking? How do we transform our thinking? I think that Paul gives us the key. Let's keep reading. This is verse 3. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. You know it's not good when they just straight up say, here comes the warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in evaluating yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Verse 5, or I'm sorry, verse 4. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a specific function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Number two, worship is a call to unity. Worship is a call to unity. And the thing about unity is that it requires something out of me. And this is where the transformation of our minds begin. I've got to be honest with myself about myself. And before we can ever really enter in, before we can ever really become a part, a fully functioning member of the body, we have to be honest about who we are and what's going on on the inside of us. Am I really doing as good as I tell everybody that I'm doing? Do my Instagram pictures and my Facebook posts match up with the condition internally? Am I really, truly over my brokenness? Am I really, truly healthy and whole? Am I really, truly over some of the things that I've been dealing with? Am I really allowing God to lead me into steps of faith? We have to be able to look internally. And so often, we are so extroverted in our judgment. And we get so so focused on pointing fingers that we lose sight of what's going on on the inside of us, and we don't ever really evaluate who we are as a believer, who we are as humans, who we are as sons and daughters of our God. How am I doing? What's happening inside of me? Am I in a healthy place? Am am I first and foremost connecting with Jesus? Am I being a good son, a good daughter? Am I being a good husband, a good wife? Am I being a good father, a good mother? Am I in the places? Am I achieving the things that I believe God is calling me to? If we never evaluate who we are and what's going on with us, we will always, always plateau. 
God's never called you to plateau. He calls you with him in Christ from glory to glory to glory. Not for ourselves, but so that way he can take us on the adventure of faith with him. So that way we can experience new depths of who he is and what's going on. And so we have to look inward first to start the transformation. We have to say, okay, what's really happening inside of me? See, I remember growing up, I had, I had amazing youth pastors. And, uh, and he, he's this crazy, like, uh, happy-go-lucky, wild guy. And, uh, and everything with him is fun, and it's awesome, and it's exciting, and it's just silly. And, and so I, I loved that part of it. And, and his wife, uh, she was a licensed counselor. And so one moment we'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he'd be like, she'd be like, really? Really? Let's talk about that. And I'm like, no, come on. It was so fun. It's like, no, no, there's a reason why you're doing those things. And so uh, it, was, it was like I got the best of both worlds, right? Like this crazy, fun, young, uh, exciting youth pastor. And then I would have this, this counseling session that got to the, the heart of things, right? And I, I'm still so close with them. I, I love them. They, they help pastor and mentor me even to this day. And uh, I talk to them almost every week. And I was on a phone call with them uh, not too long ago. And, uh, and she asked me, she goes, how are you doing? I said, oh, I'm good. We got service tonight and we got this going on. I got events coming up, camps next week. We're doing this and that and this and that. She said, no, 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 no. I didn't, I don't want to hear about your schedule. I said, how are you? How are you? And I realized just from that simple question, from her making me stop for a moment, that had been months since I stopped and took inventory of what was going on in my heart. We had been in a season as a family in, in, in our lives that, that was just crazy. There was all kinds of stuff happening from every angle. And, and I was just trying to be strong. I was trying to move ahead. I was trying to take ground. I was trying to keep on progressing and doing what I felt I was supposed to do as a Christian, as a pastor, as a leader. I got to keep moving on. But sometimes we don't need to move. We need to stand still. And we need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life. Man, I'll tell you what, some of the greatest moments and encounters I have had with our God have been moments when nobody was around, there was no music on, there was no video playing, no sermon going, no podcast in my ears. It was just me saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? What are you doing right now? What do you want to speak into me? What areas of my life are not like yours? What areas of my life do I need your grace? Do I need to ask for forgiveness? Do I need to repent? What relationships do I need to turn to and ask for forgiveness in? What areas do I need to pick up the slack that I've allowed to loosen in my life? Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What are you doing? It takes self-evaluation. Here's the hard part about self-evaluation is it makes us vulnerable. But one way or the other, internal conflict catches up to us. Paul is trying to help us see in order for us to worship in holiness, in order for us to worship in unity, we first have to take evaluation of what's happening in our hearts and our minds. And so she helped me see that. That leads me to to understanding that, that unity cannot be lived without community. We need people. We need questions like, how are you really doing? Hey, I noticed you weren't in church two weeks in a row now. What's up? Hey, I, I noticed that, that you've it's kind of been radio silence with you. What's going on with you? 
Hey, things just don't seem right. Can I pray with you? Hey, let me, let me come beside you. I know you guys are dealing with, you're struggling with this. Let me pray for you. Let me bring you a meal this week. Hey, why don't you come over, leave the kids here, and then you guys go on a date. We need community and people to come around us so that way when we evaluate and we realize, hey, there's some vulnerability here. There's some things I need to work on. There's some issues. There's some hurt. There's some pain. There are people that can help walk us through it. As smart as you are, and I know you are so smart, You don't know it all, and neither do I. But collectively, we get a little bit closer. Collectively, we can see a broader picture. Collectively, we can take life experiences and encourage and challenge one another to strive forward, to be who God has called us to be. We need community. We need it so desperately. But let me tell you what community doesn't look like. It doesn't look like gossip. It doesn't look like us sitting around a coffee table and saying, did you hear what she said and what he did and they broke up and they're separated and did you hear they're bankrupt and they're losing the house? Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? No, 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 no. That's not community. That's sin. And that hurts not just the people that we talk about and we discuss, but it hurts us because what we're doing is we're saying, I don't value what God values and that's people. I don't value what God is doing, and that's building his kingdom with a collective body, a collective church, a beautiful and spotless bride. He's calling us to live in community, not to to distance ourselves by offense. And this is going to hurt a little bit. It's going to sting. I'm going to rip the Band-Aid straight off, okay? Leaving a church or a relationship out of offense is not what God has called you to do. God calls us to be a body. And when you disconnect, sever yourself from the body, when you leave and step outside of community, what you are doing is you are saying, I don't need the protection of community. That's why predators, they pick on the sick and the outliers. They wait for the little one. They wait for the the older one. They wait for the sick one to get left behind, to just drag a little bit, just to get a distance from the group. And then they attack. The enemy is waiting to attack our lives when we leave community. But in community, nothing can stop us. Because what we do is we align ourselves with what God is doing on the earth. Everything God is doing on the earth, he's doing through his church. He's doing through his bride. He is doing through communities of people scattered all across this globe who believe the same thing and as the lordship and the salvation of Jesus Christ. He's moving in the midst of community. Don't sacrifice that because of offense, because of hurt, because of pain. Dig into it. Dig into it. So we have to say, how how can I be honest with myself and how can I live in community? Let's keep reading. Verse six. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak it out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving, serve well. If If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. 
If God has given you leadership ability, take responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. I believe that we walk into holiness. We walk into unity. And all this is creating transformation in our lives. My point three, worship is a call to serve. Worship is a call to serve. There is no greater equalizer than to serve. When you, when you say, hey, I, I, I just want to do something for you. Can I just bless you? Can I just do something for you? All of a sudden, it, it, takes, it takes pain away. It takes focus on anxiety and fear away. It takes the focus on everything that is, is disrupting in our hearts and in our minds. And it just mutes it for a moment. Because our, our attention... Although we do want to be evaluating of ourselves, we don't want to be so analytical and so negative about who we are and what's going on in us that it paralyzes us from really doing what God's called us to do, which is serve. When we begin to serve, it puts the focus on other people. And we start looking at situations in our lives and we say, how can I use this to help somebody else? And we take things that seem like giant gaps in our life and we say, oh, I realize this wasn't lack. This wasn't God forgetting me. This wasn't God turning his back on me. This was God setting me into a position to help somebody. This was God placing me in an environment where I could learn how to overcome because my brother, my sister, my neighbor needs help overcoming. When we put ourselves into a place of service, we are most like Jesus. When we say, I'm going to connect myself into community and I'm going to serve, we are most following the example Jesus set for us on his three, three years in ministry. That I'm going to give what I've got. I'm not going to be first, I'm going to be last. I'm not going to to build this for myself. I'm not going to obtain things for me, but I'm going to give because I've already been given to. I'm going to love because I've been loved. When we serve, it, it opens our hearts and our minds to a fresh understanding of who our Savior is and what he's done for us. Because all of a sudden we begin to value people. We begin to value the people that are around us. We begin to to look at them differently. And what happens is often we confuse the gifts and blessing that God has given in our life as ways to promote ourselves. As ways for for us to, to prop ourselves up. To create a platform, to create a pedestal, to get more money, to get a better job, to get a better house. to get better. We start using the gifts that God has given us and we think that he gave it to us for us. But what we have to understand is that these gifts that God has given us are really meant to be given. I have a gift that's sitting on my desk right now and I bought it three weeks ago and I've been meaning to send it to a friend who's out of state. You know, that gift doesn't do my friend any good sitting on my desk in my office, does it? And I'm not going to say their name because they're going to get mad at me. The gift has to be given. We have to release. So if God has called you to preach, preach, teach, 
teach. If you've got the gift of healing, lay your hands on somebody. Please, we need it. People are sick all across this room today. I hear y'all coughing and sniffling. Some people stayed home. Jesus, help them. If God has called you to be generous, then give. So often we stall thinking, oh, it's just going to be awkward. It's just going to be weird if I hand him this check. No, it's not. When God lays things in our hearts, when he gives us gifts and blessing, he's saying, hey, this is, this is me passing the baton to you to be handed off. This is not for us to, to build or to, to, to hoard together in our own little treasure chest, but to be released. That's how we know that God wants to use his church. It's by the giftings he gives it. He wants to release through your life. He wants to use your gifts and your talents and your time and your effort and your money and your relationships and your family and your marriage. He wants to use every bit of what you've got. And when we live in this way, we live our lives holy. We live in community. We live in service. It's worship. How is that worship? How is it worship for for us to do these things? What do you think could possibly make God happier than you and I deciding we're going to live our lives holy and pure and set apart? We're going to live our lives in community surrounded by his people in his house and that we're going to be serving those in need. We're going to give of our own lives and what has been given to us. We're going to release what in the world can make God happier. In my eyes, worship is me showing my affection for God to God. And I don't think I could be any more affectionate to him than living saying, God, I'm going to leave my past behind me. I'm going to allow for you to transform my mind and my thinking and my life. I'm going to allow for you to bring me into a place of community and vulnerability and accountability with people that love me and love you. I'm going to give of my life because you have given freely unto me. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to worship you with all that I have. And so, church, I want to leave you with the challenge to step out in worship some of you you find environments like this challenging it's hard for you to raise your hand it's hard for you to to close your eyes it's hard for you to sing and I understand that maybe that's an area that God is asking you to trust him in but I, I also believe that for many of us the hard thing is for us to worship outside these doors so I believe that Romans 12 is that challenge for us church that we would live lives and sacrifice of worship to him let me pray for you this morning that that God will begin to stir up in our hearts to worship to live a lifestyle to live a life in worship so father I pray God that as we gather in your house today Lord that you would move in our midst God, that your spirit would open up our hearts and our minds, God, to to understand that we so desperately need you. 
And because of that, God, we're going to, to step out in worship in our daily lives, in every situation, in every, in every circle of influence that you've given us, God. We're going to give all that we have, God, because we want our lives to be holy and acceptable unto you, God. We want to use all that we've been given to give and to serve, God, in this community, with these people, and this world. I thank you, God, that you've chosen us to be a part of this body. And God, that our lives can become a beautiful fragrance of worship to you. In Jesus' name, amen.